So, welcome to Farming Eternal, an eternal podcast for farmers, hosted by me, Patrick, or Padumaro, and Hats on Lamps. How's it going, Hats? I'm doing pretty good. How are you doing? I'm doing well, too. We had a little break last week, and we're back to the podcast. Here we are. It's Here happening now. It's <laughs> right now. It's episode 67. For those of you tuning in for the first time, we're a draft focus podcast. Our goal is to help you and me, mostly me, get better at draft. We get into the nitty gritty of the drafting process with a little meta analysis and play tips thrown in. This week, we're going to be talking about the draft changes. Our plan had been to talk about uncommons, but we're no longer doing this because Direwolf surprised us with some surprise balance changes and draft pack update were there balance there were balance there's been so many balance changes there had to have been balance changes there were balance changes they made some pretty big changes to a couple of cards that will impact the draft environment as a matter of fact uh we're not going to get into those in detail i guess because those are mostly in argent depths and we're going to be talking about the draft pack updates but like they gave plunder to boulder gate guard they gave plunder to to the one five decay shadow weapon, those are those are huge changes for draft because it turns those cards from nearly unplayable into pretty high picks. Yeah, it actually goes along with this um, Twitter campaign I'm going to be starting called hashtag Give Helpful Doorbot Plunder. What do you think? <laughs> it's great. It's great, except that electronic distortion completely obscured what you just said. Oh really? <laughs> Yeah. Okay, here, I'll try that again. Okay. Okay. That fits perfectly with the Twitter campaign that I want to start, which is uh, hashtag give helpful doorbot plunder. Oh, yeah. That's a great hashtag. I think that that'll really make a big difference for everyone. <laughs> Don't you think? I think that would vastly improve all these draft pack changes. If helpful oh, if they just gave old cards plunder that didn't that are basically useless and limited oh that would be so good i was thinking about that the other day actually helpful doorbat uh, helpful doorbat uh bot doorbot helpful doorbot this has been a fun time me figuring yeah, this give word it out. flying too help just give it flying give it flying doorbat <laughs> give it give it the ability to open doors give it some personality all it is is a zero three for three if you're going to make it a 10 times common, give it some abilities. Make it do something at all, rather than take up one of our 10 times weighted draft slots, which is what they did. Yeah. <laughs> like, you know what You know what would balance out this draft format? This helpful doorbot. <laughs> like, how can we work more helpful doorbots into our limited format before the draft championship? Let's add helpful doorbots. I'm taking it as a personal challenge <laughs> to have a to have a helpful doorbot in one of my drafts. And if I don't win, at least I'll lose spectacularly. Yeah. Well, if, actually, that'd be very unspectacularly <laughs> since the card does nothing. By spectacular, I mean it will be a spectacle, <laughs> but not actually an exciting moment in the history of a turtle. Uh... <laughs> I'm not happy about the changes they made. All right. Well, speaking of which, uh, how was your draft week? Uh, my draft week was fine. We're in a period right now where everything is awkward in the draft packs. And what the, it, it, because the new uh, 
the new um sorry the new the new draft packs were seeded by completely random like bot drafts <laughs> basically so you're so you're seeing like rares and legendaries playable rares and legendaries uh very late into a pack uh that's what was happening at first um it makes the reason why i don't like that is that it makes drafting and limited play skill almost irrelevant because people will end up with rares pretty much randomly and rares are inherently very swingy cards so it feels like no matter how well you draft or play uh if your opponent just got very lucky uh they can overwhelm you and i think that's fun if you think of draft as being a fairly chaotic thing to begin with but if you think of it as more or less a game of skill with a certain amount of variance then the beginning of a new format just sucks because <laughs> yeah. you got to deal with this mat like every game is severin draco shaman circlet just like every every rare they saw which is like six of them uh you have to deal with one after the other no matter how good your deck is you're gonna get overwhelmed yeah i think it's especially bad for these like minor draft pack changes because the format, to a certain extent, is already solved. And, like, the changes they do are not that major because they're only touching half the packs. You know what I mean? In a you know certain I mean? sense. And so yeah. I just feel like, you know, if it happens with a brand new set, there is already actually just a ton of randomness and, like, chaos because people don't know what's good yet. But what happens now is, like, people know what's good, and then some people just, like, get really good decks while drafting all the good cards that they already know, and then other people, you know, if they don't open the right, you know, they're just drafting much poorer decks. While at the beginning of the format, you're just, like, people are experimenting a lot more. It's not like these changes are big enough that you're exploring a ton of brand new archetypes or whatever, or like, I don't know. It just feels worse. It feels a lot worse when it happens mid format for me. Uh, yeah, I guess that's, yeah, that's, that's fair. It's really, it's really making that swinginess of being able to, you know, of whatever, whatever factions you're in, you might open a rare in pack two, three, or four that fits your colors and then makes a good deck uh, already. If you have a good deck, it makes it great. Um, and if you've already got, but like at the beginning of a format when everything is pretty random, like nobody has a good deck. Everyone's still figuring things out. And so yeah. getting that like rare legendary doesn't make a good deck great. It makes a okay deck good. And yeah. that's less of that's less variance here it's just like the good drafters who happen to get on color legendaries uh now are just unstoppable and that's not it's not fun to go up against them yeah yeah and i guess maybe part of it is just also now you also know that you have a good deck and so then when you play against someone that just has a much much better deck you're like oh i don't know for me it feels like Oh, waste of a good deck. I was like, oh, well, I guess my deck was just normally good, not like start of the format draft pack good. Yeah, like supercharged good. So, 
Yeah, uh, that has happened to me a couple of times. I've lucked into a couple of good decks. Well, maybe not luck. Uh, maybe maybe this was actually, um, maybe this was actually making the best of a bad situation. But I've had a couple of seven win decks in this format, even with all the chaos, that didn't have any powerful rares. That had like one rare that wasn't one of the like chase rares that was able. Then I was able to beat much more powerful cards just through like you know solid. A solid deck, um, one Huru Temple deck, and then a Rakano deck with a lot of combat tricks. Uh, that's so it's possible to beat that kind of thing, but it sure makes it harder. Uh, it's it's awfully hard to beat a Severn, you know, <laughs> once it's down on the table, as we discussed last time, uh, or maybe not last time, but maybe the time before. Whatever we talked about rares, uh, anyway. But you can do it. But like part of the reason I was able to do that is that at the beginning of the format, people were rare drafting and not taking all the finest hours and wind conjurings that they saw. So right. I picked them up and I had a killer deck. Like, right. so, so everybody that had to come up against that Rakano deck that I built, where I had like three finest hours and two wind conjurings, <laughs> was doomed. <laughs> because yeah. other people were rare drafting and allowing me to draft a 7-0 deck, right? Like it throws everything out of whack. So... That's kind of how my draft week was too. I um, I posted a, a list from before the changes of a really cool Praxis deck I had um, to I this, that. that I got yeah. seven wins with. That was a lot of fun. And then I drafted like a very similar in style Elysian deck that was a lot of fun. And I was four zero with it. And then the draft changes went happened. And then I immediately lost three games in a row, all to fire decks. I don't know, maybe, I don't know if this was variance, but since the draft changes happened, I've played seven games. Six of them were versus fire decks, and I won one of those. And then I played one Felm deck, which they got the the prized Sow... Severin combo against me and I sat with following my usual policy of never drawing seven power when I have a changey stick in my hand yeah I uh, had a changey stick in my hand and then managed to not draw a seventh power for uh, five turns which uh, equals a lot of piercing griefs I don't know if it would need to be I I will say about the prize sow Severin combo is that it's not ever worth it ever? <laughs> like it's not worth putting a prize sow deck in, uh, prize sow in your deck on the off chance that you'll get the combo with Severin. Severin's good enough without that. <laughs> I know, no, I agree, and like good on them for getting it. It was honestly the only frustrating part for me. Really, was that I had previously lost six games to fire aggro decks with what, what I considered sweet decks on my end, which I sure. thought had, like, it wasn't like I was, like, starting on turn four. I just was, like, never able to stabilize against any of them. Yeah, but, uh, well, I'm hoping things kind of... Because I feel like the draft format got into a pretty good place before the changes where people generally knew what was good, so you didn't get you didn't get as many wackadoo decks because everyone was taking good cards. Um, it's it's when people don't know what's good that you get weird things happening. Like now it's the last pick apprentice mage, and nobody's drafting time for some reason. Like just weird stuff. 
Uh, and that allows uh, people to have unbeatable decks because some people are going out of their way to draft really, really badly for some reason. <laughs> <laughs> no, or just rare drafting, because I do think that's a big part of it. I was I, 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 I was watching a stream where people were talking about that a little bit. I think it was Cassandra's stream where because the bots make it so easy to draft rares, a lot of people don't try to do anything but. They just go. They just go in rare draft, cancel the draft afterwards, or withdraw from it, or maybe play enough to because they don't care about their rank. They play enough to maybe get some more treasure chests or whatever. Um, and I can't blame them for doing that because the rares are valuable within the game. But it also perpetuates the low quality of the draft packs for longer for those of us who are drafting, um, because then people are drafting bad rares for their dust value over killer cards and so you'll so someone ends up with that like four siphoner paladin deck and and it's and it's wretched to play against it and it should never happen <laughs> and right now because changey stick isn't a valuable card uh like and people are still avoiding primal you're getting a lot of people with four or five changey sticks in their decks and that's hard to beat too yeah, it's uh, unless they can't draw seventh power. Well, unless they're used specifically, yeah. <laughs> I mean, because <laughs> that deck that I lost against Severin was you know, my triple changey stick Felm deck, and uh... I have I have a deck that's an Elysian deck right now that I haven't played any games with yet, and I have three changey sticks, and I'm pretty sure it's correct for me to take one out. <laughs> <laughs> but but all everybody's talking about how it's like well I had four changey sticks in my deck so I was unstoppable unstoppable and I was like it does still cost seven to do that right yeah <laughs> like, I know I I agree I don't know yeah I, are you sure that's I have other seven drops I don't know what my entire deck to be seven drops I don't know I mean the nice thing about changey stick is that it does give you a flying unit as well earlier if you need one. It's good right. for breaking relic weapons and stuff, but um, but I don't know if it's... I mean, I guess it's probably good enough. Obviously, Changey Stick is a great card. I just think in my particular deck, I'm going to try taking one out and only playing two, and then see what happens. Tune in next week when I discuss what a big mistake that was. <laughs> you can eat your chip now. Yay! <laughs> All right, so we'll move on to our... Uh... Thanking our patrons, which uh, we do have a Patreon at patreon.com slash farming eternal. And so for as little as a dollar a month, that is one fifth the price of a Twitch subscription. You can get access to our show notes and recording bloopers and get a thanks on the show each and every week. You subscribe to a, a Twitch stream, you get thanked once. You subscribe here for a month, you get four, maybe five thanks. That's Quintuple the value for one fifth the cost. There's no there's no quintuple type word for fifths, right? No, I think that's it. I think fifth is it. I think that's you got the the very word in question. Okay. For fifths the cost. <laughs> one fifth the cost. You had it the first time. <laughs> that's not one word. Anyway, our veteran patrons who pay to hear this stuff are Stephen R., Mercurio Blue, Avish Nico, Meagles, Madness, Titus and Blossom, Parmalee, Darth Herman 2, Twin Hacks, Cassandra, 
Jed the Homrid, Raven Dragon, Estrich0215, Sunblaze, Worked on Sun, and Yist Out. Thank you once again for for becoming a patron and uh, helping keep this show going. Because if my wife had her way, it would not still be going. But that does lead us actually into our listener of the week, Sigma Tank, who friended me this week to say thanks for doing the podcast. So that is now... There's only 171 of you left. I'm still waiting. But he friended me and thanked me while my wife was sitting next to me. And then I read the message. She's she's really ready for people to stop thanking me because it really motivates me to keep the show going despite being really busy in the summer. So mixed message there, but do friend Potomaro in the game so that you're, you'll be the listener of the week next time. Yeah, wait, was there a mixed message? No. Well, there was... <laughs> There was the there was the message where you that we thank we thank someone on air, and then also uh, it causes domestic strife. <laughs> so there's two sides to it. I guess if the domestic strife is fun, <laughs> then that's all. It's entirely positive. Well, but fun is maybe a sh- uh, a strong way to put that. Uh-huh. But <laughs> is it is that a fun is that a strong way to put it? All right. That's no, really go, strong words. Let's, let's very strong. Let's tone strong, it down here. The strong language of fun. <laughs> the point being, I love uh-huh. doing the show. I want to keep doing the show. My wife wants to do everything in her power to stop the show. But friending me and saying thank you is like it's a bulwark against my wife's constant attacks on how all I do is work on this podcast. That's a positive. I'm the only saying positive things here. Yeah, in a way. That's, <laughs> it's, it, it can be twisted around to be that, for that to be true. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm on board. Okay, okay. <laughs> down, down, down with Potomaru's wife. <laughs> Friend him in the game is the message. And I'm yeah. told that that is a 100% positive message. You want to hear the show? Just know that there are dark forces at work. (laughs) (laughs) I'm trying to stop it. And so you. And only the light of your friendship can push them away. (laughs) Yes, you must shower me with constant praise to keep these dark forces away. The constant shadow of marital equilibrium is weighing over Patamaru's head. (laughs) Your friendship is the only thing that can bring a light to his life. Shine your companionship upon him. Hey, what's your card of the week? <laughs> my card of the week? Um, well, I'm actually once again stealing my card of the week from Meagles. So this uh, this card of the week is brought to you by Meagles. Uh, hey. Patron to the show. Shining a beacon. A beacon against the darkness. Meagles. Uh-huh. And it is Copper Hall Porter, which mm-hmm. is the two justice, two one, entomb, draw justice sigil from your deck. And this was a 10-time boosted common in the draft packs previously and is now a one-time boosted card. And so this is actually the only card in the draft packs, at least at common, that went from 10 to 1. It's the only uh, one? Oh, I thought there were more than that. Okay. I don't think so. Um, According to Meagles, I take no responsibility for that previous statement. And... Direwolf does not make it easy to verify that statement, so no. I'm, 
No, they replaced the old list completely with the new list, so there's no way to directly compare them. Yeah, yeah. So you're just going to have to take Meagle's word for it. But um, he kind of did a deep dive of Copper Hall Porter. And um, what's kind of interesting is Copper Hall Porter was in about 39% of Justice decks. But it was in certain Justice decks quite a lot. And those two were the Mono Justice deck. It was in about 70% of our 7-win Mono Justice decks. And it was also in 60% of our Argent Port or Justice Shadow decks. While okay. in, in the other three or four, three, um, the three faction pairings, it was just in the mid-30s. So it seemed like Copperhall Porter was pretty good in the Argentport Sacrifice deck, which mostly revolved around Siphoner Paladin and maybe some Ravenous Thorn Beasts and I guess some of the um, Shadow Revenge spells that require Sacrifice. Sure, Grizzly Contest and so forth. And so Meagle's putting forth that this probably hurts Argentport because... The two drop that replaced it is um, the Copper Hall Grunt or whatever, the 1 3 with Warcry, which is a lot less exciting to sacrifice than Copper Hall Porter. Yeah, it is. It's not bad as an aggressive card, although there are more ag- aggressive cards, but it's certainly not as fun to sacrifice. And in general, <laughs> they, they made it a lot harder to pick up two drops in justice that want to be sacrificed because before copper hall porter was 10 times and i believe Willbreaker was also 10 times or at least five times which was another pretty good one to sacrifice because you could sacrifice the, sh- the shade after it traded with something exactly um, and, and so now you're really um relying on the you know you have your solemn clergy and then you have like the two cost one one flyer with revenge that you can sacrifice, but not really get value. Or now you have to look into shadow a little bit more, where you have uh, talk tick. Yeah. For example. Yeah, talk tick's fine, but uh, you're also missing out on fervent siphoner. That's the one that used to be ten times common in shadow. Uh, mm-hmm. So they replaced that with talk tick, sort of as a sacrificeable unit. But neither one was great. Yeah. And then in Uncommon, at least, you now get access to the O2 that draws you a 2-2 flyer. Yeah, the shadow one, the gargoyle. Yeah. But yeah, so it was kind of interesting. You know, I feel like the classic um, Argent Depths move of Copper Hall Porter into Siphoner Paladin will be... uh, much less happen much less often now and that was a pretty backbreaking common but i think it's going to negatively affect certain decks more than others i guess is yeah i think that's true um i think it's going to negatively affect siphoner paladin period i'm sure that like that was always the card that i was looking for once i had one or two siphoner paladins from the first pack was as many copper all porters as i could find no matter what deck i was playing obviously best in Argent port but also like um you got to sacrifice something to the paladin, and, and it might as well be something that just straight up draws a card when it dies. Yeah, exactly. All right, so what is your card of the week? 
My card of the week is Camouflaged Musket. It's an uncommon injustice in the Argent Depths set. Uh, it costs four and one justice. It is a 1-5 relic weapon. And when one of your units readies, Camouflaged Musket gets plus one strength. Uh, I'm making this card of the week because it's a card that kind of confuses me. I still find it very difficult to evaluate after playing with it and against it. Um, it, it, it's its greatest. Its greatest asset is the five armor that it comes in with, which usually gives it time to uh, to to buff up a little bit before you uh, have to kill something with it that's big enough to to get rid of the weapon. Um, I've been getting kind of wrecked with it in the last couple of drafts that I've done because I may have gotten a little bit too complacent playing units that have only one health uh, because <laughs> there's not a lot of things in this format that directly kill them. Um, this is one of the few things that does exactly one damage <laughs> yeah. that comes into play. Uh, and so I'm not, I haven't been playing around the possibility of someone playing a camouflage musket because it's just rare enough uh, that someone puts it in their deck at all. Uh, that I'm not used to it coming into play and then killing uh, something of mine that's relevant immediately. Uh, like, it's pretty rough if they kill, say, your Thunder uh, Dragon, you know, the 4-1 uh, Haste Flyer with yeah. a camouflage musket because it leaves one armor on it, and then probably that gets to grow and then kill something large. The musket gets to grow and kill something larger. Uh, I, I, I still don't know how good the card is, but there are so few endurance units that it's hard to get an immediate bonus from the musket, right? Like you can't, like you, your endurance units ready at the end of the turn if they've attacked or used some other, you know, uh, exhausting ability. Um, so you have to wait until the beginning of your next turn, most likely, for your musket to get bigger, which means you have to attack with something on the same turn that you play the musket, which means usually you have to engineer your combat steps so that you can attack. And then whatever your opponent does to stop your attack from being effective leaves something vulnerable to getting pinged for one with the musket. And then you've got some units that ready and make the musket bigger so that it can kill something relevant. That's a lot that has to go right. But I have seen good players that are able to engineer uh, that kind of combat step and then... Uh, the question is, how consistently can you possibly do that to make it justifiable to put the musket in your deck? It's a very confusing card for me. Yeah, well, I think it, part of it is just that, like you said, the, the two aspects of this card are at odds with each other. Like you, One of the things is you like the card because it has high armor, but it has very low attack. But, in order for, but it can gain attack, which is exciting. But in order to gain attack... You have to be attacking with your units, which is opening you <clears throat> up to counterattack, which yes. makes the high health of this weapon less effective. I agree. I don't know how you use this effectively because you can't gain the attack bonus very easily the turn you play it. I don't know if there's any... There, there are cards in Eternal that like ready your units... I don't know if there are any in Expedition right now. Um, I mean, not really. <laughs> yeah. Like, even Endurance doesn't ready 
your unit until the end of your turn when yeah, it's too late to attack with a musket. Yeah, which doesn't help at all. You know what yeah. I mean? The only the the real synergy with endurance is it leaves units that can attack and block. Right, and then it readies twice if it does both of those things and survives. But yeah, I guess I hadn't all. really thought about how you your units exhaust when blocking and then ready. Yeah. So you do get a bonus by staying back on defense, but it puts it in your opponent's hands. It puts it in your opponent's hands, but what the, the strength of that kind of play is that it prevents your opponent from doing a lot of stuff. Because if you've got units that will buff the musket, if they block and survive, then they can't... There's all kinds of things that your opponent is now possibly unable to do. Because they can't, like... Let's say they're going wide and they attack. I guess that's not a very good example because they probably were able to kill the musket in that case. I don't know. You know what? I can't really think of a good example of a, of when... It feels like the like having a musket in play then makes it so... You can't let your opponent just sort of do chump attacks and let their opponent that let their units survive because that grows the musket. And you can't do chump attacks like let's say with a war cry unit or something um, that let your opponent's units block and survive because then the musket grows. So it kind of has an effect on the board of uh, of making it so no matter what your opponent does, they lose. As long as any of your units survive and there is a combat step, then the musket grows. Yes. I guess I just think is like if you're, yeah, if you're at parity, then it sort of stops your opponent from do. it stops both of you from doing anything, really. Kind of, yeah. Yeah, I mean, as, clearly as long as you have a flyer or something, then you can, then you can make the musket more powerful. Um, yes. But... I don't know. It is also uh, it's also a good finisher if you manage to clear the board and you have just like one unit left. Uh, but that's true of basically any relic weapon. So yeah, uh, I don't think it's special in that to, in that regard. It just sort of, I've just had that happen to me before, where we just sort of traded away everything, and then their last thing was a musket, and they had a one one, and then the musket just kept growing and killed me. But that could be any card at all, so it's not like that's a particular strength of musket. It's a very interesting card that some people seem to have figured out, and I haven't been able to figure out when it is at its most effective. So maybe one of our listeners will can leave a comment and enlighten me, because I can't quite figure out what, what deck musket is supposed to go in. Yeah, no, I agree. And speaking of readying and exhausting units, that did remind me of a, a sort of PSA that I wanted to... Mention I was playing a game against uh, Epic Candyman, who used to stream a bunch. I haven't seen him stream recently, so I don't know if he stopped, but it seems like he's still playing a bunch. But we played a game, and in one of the games, he had a Might Weaver on board and attacked with his board, and I blocked the... I think it was actually the Might Weaver. I blocked the Might Weaver, and then he... I think teleported the unit back to my hand. He did something to take my unit out of combat. The blocking unit after it had blocked. After I had blocked. Then he played a rampage on his Might Weaver and gave it overwhelm and double damage because it now had more than five attack. And then he did zero damage. 
because and I think it was the ordering um of how he did it because when he had teleported my unit, it took his unit out of combat because it didn't have overwhelm at the time. And so it it just it caused his unit to become exhausted and no longer be in combat. So then when he played his trick on it, the overwhelm the unit wasn't was no longer attacking and so the overwhelm damage never happened. As compared sure. to if he played Rampage and then teleported, the unit would have still been in combat because it had overwhelm. So it's just kind of a weird timing issue that was pretty surprising because I messaged him after the game and I was like, do you know why you did zero damage in that attack? And he's like, I'm not sure, but I wonder if it's because of the order I played the cards. And I was like, yeah, that's what I was wondering too. Yeah, so. so that's a good tip. That doesn't come up that often because uh, teleport is not a heavily weighted card right now. Yeah. Uh, there's not a lot of ways to bounce a unit back to someone's hand mid-combat right now. But if that ever comes up, good to know. Yeah, or like an expensive way to do it would be like disappear or something. You know, there are ways yeah. to take enemy units out of combat, but... Uh... And normally when you have a unit that already, that has Overwhelm and you bounce a blocker with Disappear or Teleport or something, the unit already has Overwhelm. So it's actually a super uncommon thing to happen where you're both trying to give something Overwhelm and bouncing a blocker. So it makes sense that we wouldn't have encountered it until now. Yes, but, you know, instead of doing 12 damage, you do zero. So it is a, you know, I guess I was just thinking is like, especially with all of these, like, five cost, you know, five or more attack things that do extra special abilities. You know, it feels almost more important when you're trying to like be clever with your rampages to to know all of the all of the interactions. All right. So uh we'll run down our seven win run breakdown segment which is we'll do a short one i didn't really actually look at the list yet and since everything's changing we're gonna give it a week before you know to get enough deck lists that we start noticing differences yeah things are probably a little wonky right now yeah so but we would like to mention it for those of you who are listening for the first time uh what we do is we have a data collection pro project here, Farming Eternal, where listeners send us their seven-win drafts. And you can do that to either farmingeternal at gmail.com, or you can post them to, in our Discord channel or our Discord server, where we have a seven-win channel. Um, and we accept them in exported decklists or any kind of Eternal Warcry link. And then we usually take this information, we compile it in a spreadsheet, we do some data analysis, talk about like what factions are doing well, or we uh, allow people like Meagles to do some deeper analysis of what cards are doing well. And then uh, we also give a shout out to everyone who sent in a list this week. And uh, thank you as always to John Holio for actually entering the list. So we have three new contributors this week. We have, or I guess it's been two weeks, but we have three new contributors. It's uh, Jandy, Z, and Zethilarin. And our veteran contributors, Adam H., Agent Dynamo, Alabazoo, Apricot Knight, Beard Broken, Brantar, Celtic Guardian 7, Collector, Commander Salamander, Darth Herman 2, Dubes, Gato Sujo, Hats on Lamps, Ip Long No, 
Iris M, John Holio, Blue Key Trickster, Mancio1982, Meagles, Mercurio Blue, Niles H, Old Rich, Patchy, Potomaro, Raven Dragon, Sarkarnan, Shab, Shadow Mage196, Sigma Tank, SSJ1997, Steve Irwin, Sunblaze, Tempest Dragon, Titus and Blossom, Twin Hex, Vader. Ooh, people were busy this week with the draft changes. Yeah, yeah, thank you all. All right, so shall we go on to our main topic, which are talking about how these draft changes affected the draft packs and maybe what decks um, are going to be doing well going forward or what we think will be. Yeah, um, and I don't have like any sort of a comprehensive feeling for the new format yet. Uh, it's been It's been a little weird for me. I'm having a lot of drafts where the signals are so unclear that I uh, I don't know I, I find it hard to settle into the um, factions that seem open for nearly the entire draft. Sometimes yeah. <laughs> it's the 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 power seems to be that spread out, and I think that's a function of rare drafting, where where people are are sending uh, signals that are completely contradictory from pack to pack. Uh, but I've also seen some really weird packs where there were like six fire cards and. Um, and then the rest of the pack is sort of split among the other factions. And so that's going to send a fire signal to people for like five packs in a row, and it's going to mess everyone up. So I don't know if there's something wrong with the algorithm used to generate the packs, or if that's part of normal eternal drafting that I haven't noticed to this degree before, but uh, it's been confusing. (laughs) So it feels like a very high variance format for me right now, just because... Uh, it's so hard to get a handle on what people think is valuable right now. Could be rare drafts. Could be that people are experimenting. I mean, we've already talked about it. Yeah. So I think we're going to go through maybe every card that's uh, ten times common. Well, just the just the commons, right? Yeah. It, yes. Yes. Yeah. I was about. I that was my next word. Sure. Sure. Um, but uh, yeah, the the ten times commons in all the colors and sort of just talk about whether they support an archetype that seems to be supported in the Argent Depths um, cards or not. Because, you know, everyone should now sort of has a good handle about the Argent Depths packs and like what decks seem to be supported. And so the draft packs are there to sort of supplement these main themes. And, you know, we kind of hope that Direwolf is you know curating these draft packs to support certain themes and so we're trying to figure out what those are yeah one would hope yeah all right so so let's start let's start with fire uh we have uh uh, one of the new 10 times commons is barbarian camp uh that's our uh four fire relic uh and it gives all of your units plus one strength seems pretty obvious that this is at its best in sort of a tokeny kind of uh, draft. So uh, that would be mainly Skycrag, because uh, Primal is one of the only factions that's able to produce more than one unit with a single card. Yes. Uh, yep, I haven't I... Tr- been able to try that, but it seems clear that that's what, that, that's what they're going for. Yes. So do you think Barbarian Camp is a card you want? And, you know, you've drafted a lot of Skycrag. 
I have, um, because I avoid drafting eager shepherds or cheerful shepherds, mm-hmm. because I avoid drafting cheerful shepherds, the zero one that makes a one two when it comes into play, I tend not to uh, think that I would want a card like Barbarian Camp. <laughs> um, like like my, my good Skycrag decks have not focused so much on going wide. That's sort of a sub-theme of them. They've been more about doing a lot of damage quickly and having right. a lot of removal. Because Primal and uh, and Fire's removal is quite good in this format uh, when you put it together. And uh, between Frost and just outright killing things with Fire's removal, you can make it so their blockers are never relevant. Uh, that's one of the thing, great things about Skycrag. So Barbarian Camp adding one strength to everything you're attacking with is not really a huge deal for the kind of Skycrag decks I've been drafting. But if you are drafting a deck that does have a bunch of Cheerful Shepherds and like mobilizations and that kind of thing that that, that really go wide, also uh, uh, um, Corrosive Dagger, like making a lot of units and then attacking with them... Um, like I think you probably would prefer to have a rally, so you just kill them in one turn by giving everything plus two strength, even if it's just once. But if you can't get rallies or you don't have enough effects like that, I can imagine Barbarian Camp kind of uh, working out okay. Yeah, yeah, that's actually a, a kind of interesting um, sort of synergy is Corrosive Dagger and Barbarian Camp because yeah. making your one one decays into two one decays. Is actually quite a huge boost. Yeah, it's not. It's more expensive than um, uh, than than the uh, the two power spell that gives one unit plus three strength and everything else plus one strength. But that's only for one turn. I don't yeah. know, but it's a comparable effect in some ways. Yeah. Uh, like right. I, I, I still think that it's your 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 plan B if you don't get it if you don't get enough like finishers for your go wide deck. Yes. Uh, all uh, right, and and then next is Blazing Renegade, which is the yeah, that's the two fire two one with charge. Generally, not a good card. Uh, if you're really short on two drops, um, then it's fine. I don't think it goes particularly well in any of the dominant archetypes, though. I agree, and I think one of the, the they always have better two drops. Like Argent Depths, Fire already has a great two drop that you're going to want to play all of them that you can get, and so Blazing Renegade is like. Not that exciting. And the Evangels went down to from 10x to 5x, but I think in fire decks, because surge matters and having a lot of fire influence matters, you'd rather still have the Evangel than a Blazing Renegade. So not very exciting oh, yeah. card. No, it's a filler card if you don't have enough playables. Yep. All right, then the next two kind of can get lumped together, and that is Centaur Outrider, which is the four fire five two, and centaur, um, and dust hoof brawler, which is the five fire five three with overwhelm. Yeah. Both of these go into the five attack matters decks, I think. Um, but 
they are unfortunately dust hoof brawler not as good as inferno zealot i don't think and so i think the deck was probably hurt a little bit with them sort of switching places i guess inferno zealot was only a 5x before but now it's a 1x but the fact that it went to 1x is making me much less excited about this deck than i had previously been I think it's harder to draft, yeah. I've tried to draft it since the format started, and um, having these sort of clunky four- and five-cost units uh, that only do so much damage is kind of... It makes it harder to fill in that sort of mid-range unit um, slot. It's... Yeah, I, I mean, they're they're clunky, but they they do the job if like i was always sort of okay with use with playing a five two for four in that deck as long as my my deck didn't have too many cards like that yes um, but now since you're going to be, be seeing your that's kind of all you've got <laughs> from the fire from the from the uh from the draft packs now uh it, <sighs> it does it feels harder to fill that deck in especially since shadow got hit so hard like if you're in stone scar and you're in packs two and three, you're not going to get anything from Shadow, so you've got to get stuff from Fire, and those are it. Those are the two cards you're going to get, so better plan yeah. for that. Yeah, no, I agree. Like, Centaur Outrider, I was always happy to have a, a couple. Um, this must have also been boosted to a certain degree in the previous format, because you saw a lot oh, of yeah. Yeah, we saw a ton of them. We didn't see the we didn't see Brawler though. Yeah, that much. But I think the fact that Brawler is five is makes it you know like Inferno Zealot was five, but it also had Pledge, which really helped it out because oh, yeah. you could play three Inferno Zealots, and then when you had one in your opening hand, Pledge it for power, which allowed you to get to you know because this deck does want to get to five power, and so. You know, yeah. you can't play yeah. you can't play infinite dust brawlers and infinite um dark fires and hope to have a reasonable deck, but when one of those cards had pledge, you were much you know, it was a much easier ask. Certainly it was. This is a worse card than Inferno Zealot. So I'm sure they were trying to make fire a little less powerful. I think that was their goal. So uh mission achieved. Yeah. And it's, the game is less fun now, but at least it's more balanced. <laughs> Maybe. I mean, they also heard Shadow, which was not doing yeah. spectacularly for us. So, Yeah. Well, All right, speaking of uh, hurting fire, next is Helpful Doorbot, which is the yeah. zero-cost, zero-three Grenadin. Yeah, uh, the, and the text is, is nothing. Uh, and it's sort of ironically, it's sort of ironically named since it's not helpful and it's also, it should just be called boring doorbot. Yeah. Uh, We're never or... making your deck doorbot. Cause like the only deck you could possibly be wanting to put this in is the go wide deck, I guess. And you would never put this in your go wide deck. No, you wouldn't. It's taking up a card that cannot attack on its own, and it blocks okay. But why? Why are you blocking in your go wide deck? And it's yeah. just, it's just a tragedy. All right. <laughs> then next is rally, um, which is rally the, was at ten times last time as well. Yeah, the three fire. Your units get plus two attack this turn. This is a 
good finisher in fire. I hate that they put this at 10 times because no deck needs three rallies. You yeah. Need yeah. One rally. This, good, this would be a good card at five times and at 10 times you see too many of them. I'm constantly getting two or three rallies because nobody else wants them if I'm in fire. And then I'm like, how many of these do I want? One, zero. Those are the numbers that I want. <laughs> I know. But I've got a ton of them. i got a whole pile here. So, yep. And this goes well in the Skycrag deck. This can help the yeah. five attack deck because it can boost all your units to five attack. Um, yeah, for sure. If you've got a Might Weaver in play and you rally your units, a lot of the time you've just got lethal right there. Yep. All right. Then next is Rampage. And I think this was also 10 times previously. Yeah, it was either 10 times or 5 times. We saw plenty of them. Yep. And this is the 2 fire fast spell. Give a unit plus 3, plus 1, and overwhelm this turn. Good card. Um, there are a lot of combat tricks in this format. This uh, this continues to be one of them. Justice also got a bunch of combat tricks boosted. So more things to play around. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, and it doesn't... I think it goes in the five power deck more than other decks, but obviously uh, Rampage has been around since the beginning and it's uh, always a strong card in limited. Yep. Then we have Recogulator, which is the four fire two two in tomb play two one one Grenadins. Okay, yeah, go. No, no, no. Go ahead. No, no, I didn't have anything. I was done to say probably exactly what you were done to say, so you can say it. For well, me. they seem to be encouraging us a little bit to try to go wide with fire because they gave us very few tools for going wide with fire and yet made like Skycrag a go wide deck uh, and then didn't put any tokens in fire other than Corrosive Dagger, which was kind of a weird thing for them to do. So I think this is a bit of an attempt to correct that. Recalculator unfortunately, is very difficult to go wide with because it's a four-power 2-2 two, two to begin with, and then your opponent can kind of ignore the thing a lot if they don't want you to have two tokens. And then if they do let you have two tokens, then uh, it's not that big a deal. <laughs> it's, just, it's just two 1-1 it's just two one -one Grenadins. So yeah, but if you play the three Barbarian camps that you drafted... Oh yeah, absolutely. Then they're then they're four ones, and it's awesome. <laughs> That's what you've done for four turns in a row. It's play recogulator. Yeah, unfortunately, barbarian camp, barbarian camp. <laughs> also played the three uh, ten times ruins that they had in their deck. Um, yeah, they did. They played nothing but ruin, anticipating you because that's the way your luck is. Also, Ruin Crawler Yeti is a is a ten times uncommon. So, if you were thinking of playing attachments, you are going to get wrecked uh, <laughs> randomly by Yetis. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And so that does lead us next into Ruin, which is the fast spell for one that says kill an enemy attachment. I still don't think that we're at a point where you can possibly main deck this thing. There are some good attachments and relic weapons in the format, especially mm -hmm. relic weapons, but still, like, in a small enough percentage of the decks that you face that I would be uncomfortable main decking a ruin. However, you can't. You do, you do still have market access with this uh, format, so uh, ruin is uh, nice to pick up for that still. Yeah, you do. And they also um, boosted the merchant's or the smugglers, I think. 
Yeah, they boosted the smugglers. So, so you do you have, have more a... market access. But I even feel like I think that is interesting. But I don't know. It feels like you still have to get very lucky to like happen to have drawn your fire etchings the turn after your opponent played their like important attachment. You have to keep the fire etchings in hand in case they play something like that. Yeah. Yeah. So it's kind of weird. But yeah, so that um, besides for Granite Waystone is all of the 10 times commons for fire. Yeah. So do you have any closing thoughts? I do. Um, Quick yeah, hits on the, side? yeah, a couple of quick hits on it. Yeah, uh, I, on the theme of the go of the go wide deck being a little bit extra supported, they made Kindling Carver a ten times uncommon. That's the card where you can sacrifice one of your units to draw the top card off of your deck, and and then if you can't play it, it gets discarded at the end of the turn. It's a really strong card if you can make sort of extraneous units. Um, and it wasn't boosted before, and it is now. So that's sort of the payoff if you happen to be in that deck. So they definitely want you to try drafting that sort of go wide tokeny kind of a deck. And I'll see uh, if I if I fall into it at some point. I do like drafting Skycrag, so I'll, I'll 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 report back if I ever manage to make Kindling Carver work. There's also it's also going to be harder to pick up the big spells for the Praxis big spell deck because Gun Down I believe was at ten times and it's at five times now. And then Thunder of uh, Wings. What's what's it called? Thunder of Wings is is all the way down at one times now, and th- those were a couple of the spells that you could like activate your Rust Machines and Ancient Machinists with. Uh, it's going to be harder to pick those up now. Most uh, Time also doesn't have as many big spells, so that whole deck got nerfed. Mm-hmm. Most of the most of the payoffs for that are going to just be in Argent depths now. There's a lot fewer in the in the draft packs. Yes. And then finally, as you could tell, the early drops gotten weaker, and the big units have gotten worse somehow. So looks like yeah. fire overall sort of got worse in the draft packs, unless you're trying to draft this go wide deck. Pretty much, yeah. If you're trying to draft that like uh, five power matters deck, you got to really focus on getting small effective units in your um, in your Argent Depths packs because it won't be a problem picking up big clunky units that can hit hard in the in the draft packs. Those will be supplied to you, uh, but you're not going to have an early game at all if you try to go for it in packs two and three. So, yes. All right, so now on to time. Uh, the first one is Ardent Convert, which is the one cost, one one with Exalted. Yeah, and we've seen plenty of that card. It's still not powerful, especially because it's harder to give um, a unit with Exalted Killer now. Uh, uh-huh. There's not a lot of ways to give anything Killer. So, and that was one of the cool things you could do is give killer to something with exalted and then kill a small unit and then put the killer on a larger body. Um, now that's hard. <laughs> it's going to be hard to do. I, know, I think Predator's Instinct is down at one times now. I'm going to double check that. Yes, that's true. Predator's Instinct now at one times. It was, it was higher before. So, oh, man, uh, that may, uh, yeah. yeah. I mean, you can still give an ardent convert uh, killer and decay with uh, 
with a with a hunting allosaur so that's still possible but uh it's still not a good card you gotta have a real specific use for ardent convert yeah um you know, even if you sacrifice it for some effect, it's not that great. Then it just becomes a plus one, plus one weapon most of the time. Right. Exactly. So, I mean, I guess, yeah. It feels like it's for this, you know, a Xenon sacrifice deck, but the Xenon decks are play on your opponent's turn in this format, so it doesn't really fit that. So, it's kind of a weird card that doesn't seem to really fit uh, what you're trying to do. All right, it doesn't then, fit any of the themes, yeah. Yeah, the next um, two cards, I think, were previously ten times, and that is Baying Sarasaur, uh, which is the three-cost 2-2 two, two with Nightfall, and then gets plus one, plus one till the end of turn for every card you drew that turn. And then there's Belching Behemoth, which is the eight-cost 6-6 six, six, that gains you six life when it comes into play. Uh, and Bang Sarasaur is still a card that gets a, a temporary buff, so it's good to imbue. And that means it's probably strongest in Elysian, but there's times when it's... Uh, any any deck that has some imbue, Combray will uh, can take advantage of it. Uh, and Belching Behemoth is sort of like if you have a ramp deck and you just weren't able to get enough top end that you were actually ramping to, then Behemoth can fill in there, but it's... Uh, a pretty small unit for the amount that you pay for it. Uh, there are certainly times, though, where I've had a Belching Behemoth in my deck and gained a six life that got me out of range of whatever my opponent was doing to me. And it always feels almost like cheating when you do that because it looks like it should be a bad card. But it does gain you six life, so it's not it's not blank. Yeah, and there's not that many, like units that are bigger than a belching behemoth so that's true yeah you know yeah it's very slow but it does its job uh but like i say if you didn't get anything else good then you know maybe behemoth is what you have to play because you can't ramp to nothing right all right then next is envelop yeah envelop was was pretty boosted before that's the one time fast spell put an attacking enemy unit into the enemy hand so obviously that goes well with the ambush xenon deck mm -hmm. uh and that's about it yep and then there's um is this you're only really playing this if you're low on interaction i imagine right usually yeah i think of it as not a very strong card it's very sort of because it's card disadvantage inherently, because yeah. you're losing a card and your opponent just gets to make the unit again. So it's either delaying or it's uh, like you can counteract a combat trick or something like that. Uh, it, it's very situational. Yeah. What's kind of interesting is they also um, 10 times boosted pause for reflection to skip ahead, which is another mm -hmm. one time. Uh, Fast spell, put a unit or relic with cost three or less into the owner's hand, you gain three life. Um, so these guys are sort of in the same mold. The pause for reflection, you know, you can use um, offensively too, but it's it's limited to what it can hit. Um, but that's a lot of card disadvantage, uh, sort of quote-unquote removal 
to have boosted, I think. It is. Yeah. Um, I mean, it gives you a lot of ways of activating cards that want you to play a unit uh, or want you to uh, play a card on your opponent's turn, but they're not powerful cards inherently, and that's uh, generally not the kind of card that I want to play. I would rather just not play the ambush deck if I have to play a bunch of cards that don't do anything. Yeah. And... Yeah. And I would rather play sort of metal almost, which is another oh, it one cost. Metal's, metal's a good card in this format because it counteracts decay. Yes, exactly. Or, you know, a lot of the um, the units you're trying to trigger in Xenon grow when you play a fast spell. So, like, you get the grow unit and protect it and hopefully kill an enemy unit by playing metal. Um, yeah, metal's metal's downright awesome in the ambush deck, and if you're in time in general, you're probably playing some pretty big units. And uh, playing metal on a unit that gets uh, double blocked or something is usually pretty devastating. So, I, I like metal. Metal's gone way up in my estimation since I was since we were first playing with it uh, several sets ago. Yeah, however many sets ago it was introduced. All right, next is Oasis Sanctuary, which is a spell, and it gives you how much? Eight life? Five life. Oh, five life. It costs three, yeah. it's slow, and you gain five life. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, There's no life gain theme in this no, format, right? There isn't. They did make... Um, they did make the 2-2 the, the two, two for three Wisp that creates a 4-4 four, four, um, as its ultimate when you gain life, they made that a 10 times uncommon. So oh. as far as I know, that's it. That's the only life gain synergy. This has been like boosted in every draft pack forever, and I don't know. I guess it's a skill tester. Like, for, a lot for of skill drafters. testers in time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. A lot of skills. don't play this, don't play that. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, uh, all right, then there's also Pack Beast, which is a 2-1 for 2 camel um, that allows you <laughs> to play <laughs> a second power during your turn for the turn on summon. It's a camel, and other than that, uh, it's sort of fake ramp because it does allow you to uh, jump ahead one one power, but doesn't actually draw you a card, so... Uh, usually not worth including in a deck, but I guess technically it is a ramp card and time does have a lot of ramp. So yeah. uh, I guess there's probably situations where playing one of your cards a little bit early would be good. And then if you don't have any better ramp, then you could play pack based. The problem with that is that there are so many good two cost ramp cards in time in this format. Why have this bad one even yeah. there? since there's so many other things that already do what it does, but so much better. Yeah. Is there any thought to the fact that you're, you could pot potentially be more likely to have multiple power in your hand because you can plunder, you know, plunder gives you sort of effectively more than 18 power in your deck, even though you only have 18 power in your deck or whatever. Uh, uh, I mean, which kind makes of, yeah. you know because one of the bad parts about Pack Beast is when you draw it and you don't have an additional power in your hand. Um, yeah, it's it's still going to be a terrible top deck. 
Yeah. Uh, the only possible use for Pack Beast is playing it on turn two and playing an extra power that turn and then having another power to play the next turn so that you can play an early four drop. That's the only time Pack Beast is ever good at all. Uh, but you're right that a lot of units that have plunder do have are only cost one power, so you could do that into Pack Beast and make sure that you have a total of four powers so that you can play something early. Uh, that is synergy. Uh, I still don't think it justifies actually putting a pack beast in your deck, but it does make it better. Yeah. All right, the next is Precision Plunge, which is a one-cost spell, and it gives a unit with flying, killer, and deadly. This is an interesting card to boost at a time when uh, when they've given time no flyers at all. <laughs> <laughs> exactly zero flyers even at uncommon or rare are <laughs> um, none of them are none of them are boosted or weighted so that you'll see them uh, so you have to look to other factions yeah um, as things to put precision plunge on this is another quality of the deck that I have right now is that I have uh, that I still haven't played a game with is that I have three uh, of the of the imbue flyer the uh, oh, what is it called the mount? Royal Mount. What is it? It's um, not Royal Mount, but it's something like that. It's, it's the not o Royal one. Mount. The yeah, O2 the o, for one. The O2 for one, which uh, has the Cloud Snake Mount. Okay, so the Cloud Snake Mount, it costs one. It's a zero two. It has flying and imbue, and when you pay six and exhaust it, you deal two damage to an enemy. If you give deadly to that thing, then it becomes a, a an attack helicopter. But... Yeah. I mean, a very slow attack helicopter that's only armed with rockets. But that seems like a great combination. So I have a precision plunge and three cloud snake mounts. Let's see how it goes. <laughs> no, I like the sound of that. I like the sound yeah, of that. Yeah, it sounds fun, right? Uh, but as far as commons, not a huge number of flyers in this format. That's one of the defining characteristics of this draft format is there's hardly any flyers at all. And they have bumped Humbug Nest down to a one times. So uh, this is a strange card to put it ten times right now. Yeah. Yeah, the the interesting card, which is, I guess, not really that interesting, is, like we mentioned, they um, buffed the 03 flyer in Justice mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. to have plunder, so you're more likely to have that in your deck. But you also need to have your enemy have or there needs to be a stunned unit on board how does that card work? a lot of uh when there is a stunned unit boulder gate guard gets plus two strength so it's either a zero three when there's nothing and or a two three yeah but it's a lot like you were saying or like i was trying to say before i interrupted myself um yeah you need a lot of yeah and they and they also right. made uh and they also made the two one exalted flyer injustice. They bumped that down to a one time, so you're not going to see that anymore. That would have been an incredible card to put precision plunge on, but I guess they didn't want to see that happen because uh, it's going to be a very you're going to be very lucky to have a deck like there's hardly any flyers injustice even. And usually there's a few. Or I guess I mean if your deck has four changey sticks, why not put a precision plunge? Yeah. In? Well, that's another, yeah, that's, that's, that's a thing I, I'm <laughs> hoping that will take place in the, in the great Elysian deck that I, that I still have, have not played games in. Uh, I think that what they are trying to do 
is encourage flyers as as a sub theme in Elysian. And yeah. it would have helped a lot if they'd wanted to do that uh, by boosting at least one flyer in time. But there are flyers in Primal, so maybe that's all you need. Uh, I think it's a bit of a wasted card, but we'll see times um, where it's effective in that specific deck, I guess. Yeah. Um, all <sighs> right, and then ne next is Sauropod Wrangler, which is the 2-cost two 2-2 two -two that makes your units with 5 attack or less, or 5 cost? 5 attack. 5, at five strength or more cost 1 less. Yeah, 5 strength or more cost 1 less. Yeah, um, the, so the, this the was qualification boosted. is the strength, but it gives the cost the bonus. So it's a weirdly confusing card sometimes. <laughs> yeah, and um, but this was boosted previously, and um, you know you're trying to a lot of the time decks are trying to ramp. This helps you ramp to big stuff, so it yeah. fits with time decks, I think. In every sense, except that most of the units in time don't have five strength or more. Not when you're playing all be belching behemoths. If you've got belching behemoths, then they just cost seven. <laughs> if you've got Sauropod Ragnar in play. So for sure, put those two cards together. Yeah. No, I know. Yeah. That you again, you have to look to other factions for most of the units that you're going to be able to do that with. If you've got some sort of a, pe a Praxis deck that is playing those big clunky fire units, might as well play them for for one power less. Because Sauropod Wrangler, uh, um, Sauropod Wrangler curves into your five two pretty well if it only costs three now. You know. Yes, I agree. Um, yeah. So anyway, we've seen this. We know how it works in this and you've wasted your life. <laughs> and then it gets blocked by a two-two, and you've wasted your life. But still, you did you did something. The important thing something. is that you did something. All right, then. There's Trailmaker, which is the two-cost two-one that um, gains an influence and gives you plus one maximum power. Is that true? Yeah. Yeah, it is. Uh, the, this is obviously a massive... This is the big news for time, is Trailmaker uh, is back. an incredibly good card in this format because it grant, it gives you an influence when it comes into play, which means it activates Surge. Yes. So you're ramping, which time wants to do in this format, and you're surging, which uh, a lot of the different factions want to do. So Trailmaker is just a slam dunk common, obviously. Mm -hmm. Yep. All right, and then we have Amber Waystone, which goes with all the life gain themes in uh, Argent Depths. <laughs> Yay! <laughs> all right. Uh, I'm, oh, any. So, your quick hits for time. My quick hits for time is the Trailmaker is going to uh, make it overall a better faction because uh, it's one of, now one of the best commons. Uh, there are fewer ambush cards. They let they brought they they pulled back on the fast spells and the ambush cards in terms of weighting them, there's a way fewer available, so that deck is going to be a lot less consistent. I would expect the ambush deck to be downright weak from now on until they change the draft packs again. That's just my prediction. And like I said, with fire, there's not as many big spells in the draft packs either, so that deck's going to be harder to draft. Hmm. Yeah, that's interesting. 
Yeah, the the main theme in the in the changes that they made is that all of the themes in Argent Depths are now harder to support in the draft packs. I'm not sure why they would do that, but that is what they did. <laughs> so far, yeah. I mean, yeah. Trailmaker, I mean, there's a lot of ramp cards here, so... Oh, yeah, no, I guess ramp is still... But they still didn't print an actual payoff in Combray for ramping. That yeah. still doesn't exist. All right, so speaking of Combray, on to Justice. So... Yeah. Um, uh, Justice got a lot of tricks. It's, it's yeah. commons are all... One might say that's it. That's all they got. <laughs> so, uh, first is Detain, which is a one-cost fast spell, and it gives, um, a unit minus six attack till the end of turn. Yep. Minus six strength. Uh, and, uh, like, with a lot of these cards... Uh, they're not going to apply to any particular type of justice deck. You just sort of want a certain number of combat tricks for interaction. And then it's just a question of the quality of the combat tricks that you're able to put together. So do you think Detain is is better because there's corrupted, you know, it's nice against um, Decay? Decay? I mean, sorry. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's okay against Decay, but... The thing about Decay is that it's not on a lot of large units. Um, there's a there's a small handful of units that are big enough where the Decay like really makes a big difference. So this will counter those. But most of the Decay effects and uh, are are things that sort of nickel and dime your units to death, like the one one rustlings with Decay, or. Um, I mean that's kind of, or like uh, or the four or, cost um, one three flyer with <laughs> yeah like that or um, a chemical round which is two decay damage you know like the it, like it's great if you can detain the the four one with decay yeah. then practically anything you do to that unit is gonna is gonna counter it so I, I think detains even though it does counter both deadly and decay. For one thing, Deadly has almost been uh, nerfed out of the format entirely uh, with the new changes. But also, there's just not enough units that Detain is really good against where it feels like a good combat trick. But it's fine. Like Detain will help, will let you win one combat step. Like, but you know, between one one of your opponent's units and one of your units, one time. So it's fine that way, but you have to start be starting with a, a unit that's already pretty big. It doesn't have the advantage of the combat tricks to actually make your units grow. So I still think it's weak compared to your other options in Justice. But if it were like one of the only combat tricks available, I'd say, yeah, pick them up because you want to have a certain amount of that in your deck. Uh, yeah, the I fact think... that they made everything very easy to get now means that Detain's kind of on the bottom of the ladder for these kind of effects. Yeah. It's, it also kind of does a similar job to Audacious Roos, which um, yeah, which is probably just a better card. It probably is. I mean, it 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 uh, it neuters your entire opponent's army. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> All right, conditional, then, but still more powerful. Yeah. And then, as we were talking about, uh, there's a lot of new tricks that are heavily boosted. One of them is Dive Bomb, which is 
the four cost fast spell that gives two units flying and plus one plus four till the end of turn. Yeah, uh, it's relatively expensive compared to the other tricks, but again, great option. Yeah, uh, and especially like you said, there's you not a lot a of deck. Oh, sorry, no, there's not a lot of flying. Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, this can, this will be a helpful way to push damage through at the end. It is, and it's one of the few ways that you can actually kill an opposing flyer. Oh, except this next boosted card, Ensnare. Yeah. Fast spell, one cost, kill in attacking enemy flyer. Yep. It's cheaper and much more situational. And that's and as we said, there you. are not very many flyers. <laughs> nope, nope. So it's very, very conditional card. Uh, but uh, you'll every now and then tag some some big unit that had a changey stick put on, and it'll feel real good. Uh, yeah. Which is more likely that will happen to me, and I will feel real bad. I'm looking yeah. forward to it. Uh, so, do you think? Are you ever main decking in snare? It it depends on my deck, and if I have. Uh, a deck that looks like it could lose to flyers. Like if I've got a deck that looks like it's going to get into a ground stall fairly often, and the way that's going to be resolved is through evasion units. If my opponent has any, then yeah, I might put an ensnare in so they don't just take me down with some some like three three flyer. Yeah, but uh, but rarely. Uh, it's not a it's not a combo that I'm looking to draft almost ever. All right. The next is Finest Hour, which is a one-cost fast spell that gives you unit plus three, plus three. Mm -hmm. Very good card. It's now boosted. You need to play around it, except it, yeah. you can't. Yeah, it'll always get you. So your, your whole goal is to control the amount of damage it does. Yes. And All assume right. that your opponent always has one, because it's ten times, and that's why your opponent is in justice, is so they can get as many finest hours as possible. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. All right, next is Inflict Conscience, which is a one-cost curse that I would like you to say the text of. Uh, when the cursed unit deals damage, kill it. Yes. So it's sort of half a permafrost. Yeah. Yeah, this is kind of a weird one. There's no real relic synergy or whatever happening in this There's format. There's no curse synergy or anything, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and I maintain from my earliest days doing this podcast that Inflict Conscience is a waste of a slot in your deck nine times out of ten. Yeah. So that's, uh, I, that's still where I stand. I'm always really happy when somebody plays an Inflict Conscience on one of my units, even if it's a unit that I was hoping to win with, because I'm like, great, they don't have that. They don't have, they, they used that card in their hand, and it didn't really do anything. <laughs> mm -hmm. <laughs> I still get to attack with my unit one more time. All right, and then next is uh, Minotaur Grunt, which is the two-cost 1-3 with Warcry. So... I think this is not that bad of a unit. I mean, Justice, a lot of the Justice decks are trying to be aggressive. Justice yeah. has some aggressive cards, so this kind of can help with that. It's not that bad to imbue on. It has a big butt, helps your imbuers stay alive. It's a two-drop, yeah, so you can sacrifice it to uh, Siphoner Paladin. 
Um, yeah, it's fine. It probably gets to attack once before you sacrifice it to Sa- Siphoner Paladin, because uh, it's sort of hard to block and kill with an opposing two drop. That kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, it's fine. It's a fine little face. Uh, face. It's a fine little space filler. Uh, but not much more than that. Yes. All right, then there is Rebuke, which is the two-cost spell that silences and stuns a unit. Yeah, and that's obviously there to support the overall stun theme, which is strongest when you're playing Primal Justice. Yes. And I, I still think that there are enough way there are enough stronger ways to either silence or stun uh if you're playing those colors so that rebuke tends to be um like if you don't have enough effects like that then mm-hmm. you could you can probably pick up a rebuke to fill that role but there's better ways to do it like i would play frost over rebuke every time because it costs the same and stuns a unit which is almost as good as silencing it if as long as you're going to win in the next couple of turns does it at fast speed and it does it twice yes and i will say you know i do think that deck did get better and that's mostly on the back of uh the the bird getting plunder um yeah right it did that's that gives that gives a, a pretty big payoff uh, a flying a flying two three for one power, even if it's not able to attack every single turn, is still pretty good. Um, so, yeah, I do think the Huru stun deck is generally pretty strong right now, and maybe stronger than it even was last time. It was already a pretty decent deck. It was just sort of hard to draft because you had to get things that benefited from stunned units, and also things that stun units. So you were putting together two parts of the deck. I think it's easier now with that Boulder Gate guard buff. All right, then there is Stalwart Silverwing, which is the two-cost 1-1 flyer with revenge. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's this is still a solid role player in a lot of decks. Uh, well, I guess mostly Argentport, come to think of it. Um, but this is also, we were talking about Precision Plunge. This is one of the best targets for it, because it, uh, you, you give a, something with flying and revenge killer and deadly this kills anything it wants and then when it revenges it can do it again so this is probably the best target currently (laughs) for at least a common yeah Uh, so just keep that interaction in mind precision plunges at 10 times silver wing is still at 10 times also it's fairly good to sacrifice because you can sacrifice it twice kind of you just don't know when it's going to come back and let you do it again um yes. otherwise it's a one one flyer for two and so unless you can give it some kind of permanent buff it's not really that strong so it's uh, again a card that fills a role but not as well as a lot of other cards do all right then there's stand strong which is a two cost spell and it gives a unit plus three plus three and exalted until the end of the turn yeah um and stand strong is a, a card that you don't want to include in your deck unless you have a specific pur- purpose for it um, and but so really, that's just for the Argentport deck where you can sacrifice the unit because sacrificing a unit after you've done a stand strong on it uh, tends to be very strong. So, uh, then you've got this giant exalted weapon that you get to put on something, and you get the value from whatever sacrifice effect that you're doing. Um, if you don't have sacrifice effect, I don't usually think stand strong is usually good enough, especially with cards like Finest Hour in the format where that can do the same thing at fast speed. Yes. 
for half the cost. For half the cost. All right, then we have Steadfast Deputy, which is the one cost one one with Aegis. This is another card that I never understand why this is in the draft packs. Yeah, it's the help. It's the helpful doorbot of justice. Yeah. Uh, certainly, if you put a weapon on it, it's very hard to kill. But there's not a lot of weapons in this format, so it's not it's not worth it most of the time. All right, then Storm of Feathers, which is the three cost spell, and it stuns two units. You can decimate it to gain four armor. Yeah. If you happen to have a deck that play, both plays relic weapons and wants to stun units, then Storm of Feathers is okay, but it's never great. <laughs> never great. Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, it can be helpful in, like, a very aggressive mono justice deck or, you know, uh, if you're in... It works... I think it works possibly in the Huru deck or if you have a very aggressive deck, but it's not great. But I have previously had some success with playing a Storm of oh, yeah. Feathers. No yeah, one ever it's, expects it's, you like, to play a Storm of Feathers. That's true. If you don't, if you're not playing Primal, especially, uh, no one expects you to be able to stun a bunch of their units in one turn. Yeah. So th I think that's what Storm of Feathers has going for it. Unfortunately, in this format. Uh, normally you're going to want your Storm of Feathers in a Huru deck so that you can create your stuns, but if it's probably at its best in a deck that doesn't have Primal because uh, that's very aggressive. Like you said, yeah. I'm repeating what you said, and I agree with it. All right. Then next is Talon of Nostrix, which is a relic weapon, two-cost relic weapon, and it's a 2-2. Two -two. Yeah, that's what it is. I guess there's... There's a certain amount of relic weapon synergy in this format, and that's about it. It kills something with two health. Um, in this format, because of imbue, some a lot of times a small unit will get imbued to power a larger one, and it is nice to be able to kill the smaller unit with with smaller effects. So, you know, having a certain number of ways to do two or three damage in your deck can sometimes be good. Uh, but I don't think Talon of Nostrix is a particularly strong card. Is uh, like like Fury Blade is a two one for one, and I'd rather play that every time because it doesn't cost as much, and there's you're almost never going to be able to kill two things with your Talon of Nostrix. Do you want to do your quick hits? Yeah, um, quick hits for Justice is that there are basically no units in, at all in the draft packs now. There's there's the one three with. Um, there's the there's the one three with Warcry and that's it, uh, essentially for playable draft cards and everything else is combat tricks, which means that you're if you that you you can really play an aggressive deck with Justice now. Those are my two strongest decks in this new format so far. Was the Huru one that was just a bunch of random primal cards and then a million combat tricks and justice and then a Rakano deck that was just a bunch of fire units and a million combat tricks and justice it's extremely powerful so until people start playing justice and taking those combat tricks as high as they deserve to be taken uh you're gonna be running into decks that have too many combat tricks as they're extremely easy to come by wind conjuring is also boosted 10 times all of the conjuring invoke spells are boosted 10 times so uh you're you yeah you can yeah you can how, really so how do you feel about that james oh the con the conjurings 
The yeah. Conjuring's, uh, I don't like it. I think any experienced drafter will tell you the same thing, is that The Conjuring's make games swingier because they give you access to legendaries and other cards that kind of break a draft game. And whether you're offered one of those cards is based largely on luck. Uh, the, some of those cards are essentially unbeatable, Grodov's Burden, that kind of thing. Yeah, lost uh, to that this week. Yeah, yeah, it's really rough seeing a Grodov's Burden. I lost to Kodash's Armor, too, which is another essentially impossible card to beat. And uh, so I don't, I, I think those are, I think it's okay to have them in the format because they're exciting to play if you are a less experienced drafter and you do want to have cards that are fun for less experienced drafters to play because they give you a chance to win games that otherwise would feel very difficult to win. So I think a certain amount of variance is healthy for a format, but I obviously would the less variance there is in a format, the better it is for me and other people who are regularly playing in the top 20 because that gives us a more consistent... Uh, it, may, it lets us win more consistently. But I don't want to be selfish and say that's what I want the format to be is a low-variance format because I think it drives away people that otherwise would enjoy draft because there's not enough people playing the game so less experienced drafters are going to be paired up against people in Masters all the time, and it's disheartening to play against people that feel unbeatable. So it's good to have some conjurings in the format so occasionally you can just spike a Grodov's burden and win a game that you otherwise wouldn't have had a chance of winning. So I think overall, actually, they're good for the format, but I don't personally like them. Yeah. All right, then next is um, Primal. And so the first card is Arachnodon, which is the seven cost five six with Overwhelm. Yeah, and Arachnodon is what it always has been, which is top end for a deck that didn't manage to get any better top end. Yes, exactly. Like it doesn't really go with any particular theme. It's just a big old unit. Yeah, you can put a Changey Stick on it, which is the next item on our list. Changey Stick, which is a two cost weapon. And it has Spellcraft 5, play Polymorph. And it gives flying and plus one, plus one to the unit. Oh, yeah. It also does that. Yeah, those are also important. Uh, yeah, the Polymorph, uh, which, of course, turns a, a, an enemy unit into a frog, a 1-1 one, one frog, uh, is the big thing. And Changey Stick's one of the best commons that Primal has ever had. Uh, even if you don't get to seven power, there's a lot of situations where you want to send something into the air to kill a relic weapon or just, you know, like break a board stall or whatever. Uh, uh, it, I, I think if the intention was to make it so Primal was played a lot more in this draft format, I think it's successful. It's a huge payoff for taking the risk and going Primal in the first pack. So, um, yeah, and right now, uh, like we were saying... Uh, people are still rare drafting or still staying away from Primal out of habit, and so you can get a lot of changey sticks in one deck if you want. Yes. Yeah, I think the one interesting uh, fact of this format, and I don't know if this will change in the new format, is this is not really a splash-heavy format, and so in previous formats with um, changey stick, you would play it as your third or fourth color. You know, you just like splash a changey stick no matter what. And 
I don't know if that will be as true in this format because the influence requirements are so heavy. Yeah, it's it's much harder to do, that's for sure. So I think that might in general, but that might help. Yeah, you can't just pick up a changey stick randomly uh, and then be sure that you'll be able to play it. But it's still a splashable card if your deck allows you to splash. Yes. Um, all right. And then there is Cut Brush Cartographer, which is the four cost one three that gains plus one attack every time you draw a card. This was yep. previously also very boosted. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I think this probably. Yeah, it goes, what, in, I don't know. I don't know. I see so many of these, and I still never want to play them. Cause it, no, not, it's it, a medium card. But the one, the reason that you would play it, the, the synergy, and I think that's the reason why they boosted the card, is just the revenge spells, because they count as a card that you're drawing when they, when they revenge. Yes. Um, that's about it, I think. Yeah, I think actually maybe the fact that Changey Stick is boosted helps this card a lot because, you know, one of the things holding it back in my mind is it never gained more than three health. But if you can give it flying consistently, now you're talking. Yeah, I think it's a little better because of that. It's a little easier to give it evasion. Um, And it can get really big. Like over time, if you're in some sort of board stall, Cartographer tends to get rather large. So all you need to do is hit once with it, and then you got some value out of it. But um, yeah, yeah, just it's still just the medium. It's still just a medium card unless you have a specific plan for it. Yeah. All right, then uh, Death from Above, which is a four cost spell that gives a unit um, flying and berserk till the end of turn. Yeah, and I don't think this has this goes particularly well with any of the themes. Just a card that you play if you happen have to a have a bunch of big units, and yeah, it, it's good with Cartographer. But it's good after you've had Cartographer in play for several turns, so it's not even that great. Yeah, uh, it's never a great card, but you know sometimes people will win with it, and then it will feel like it's great. But it probably should have just been like a flyer or something, <laughs> you know, like uh, something that can do a lot of damage repeatedly instead of just a bunch in one turn. Uh, but there's definitely uses for the card. I'm probably just not able to think of them right now. Yeah. All right, then there is levitate, which is a one cost fast spell that gives a unit um, gives one of your units flying and draws a card. Oh well, yeah, that's nice to have it ten times because it does it does just sort of replace itself uh, for yes. only one power. So you sort of jam as many of these as you want in your deck, and then if you need another card in your hand, you just play it on whatever unit you have, whether it helps you do damage or not. Exactly. All right, then this is a weird one, Mischief Yeti, which is the one cost two one with renown play a snowball. Yeah. yeah. I don't get I don't get why this is here. Well, with all of those justice combat tricks, um, you know, it's okay in a very aggressive Huru deck. Yeah, I guess, but are you I don't know. How many one drops do you want to play when you could be playing the flying great Huru card? I I guess like as as is true with so many of these draft pack commons 
if you don't have <laughs> if you don't have the cards you want from Argent Depths, then you play these. Yeah, I know. I'm still like the only thing. I guess my point. Yeah, it goes in the Huru deck because that has a a lot of combat tricks. But there's no other. You know, you're like, oh, maybe this is a go wide card. But Fire doesn't really have that many ways to trigger this. Got corrosive and, dagger. Yeah. And rampage. Guess, yeah. Yeah, I know. I'm not excited. There's not, there's jump not. kick, and there's changey stick. I'm not saying it's great. I'm saying there are ways to activate it. <laughs> yeah. No. I mean, I know there are ways, but there. I don't know. None of them excite me. There's not a lot of weapons to make this permanently bigger, and temporarily making this bigger just to play a snowball. I don't know. You're, no, I mean, the renowns not awkward. that great. What? What's? Uh, it's awkward to to play a combat trick on Mischief Yeti because you can't play the snowball at fast speed, so you you've got to like get the um, you know you 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 might be able to win a combat step with uh, with Mischief Yeti and a combat trick, and then is there something left alive that you want to snowball now? Nah, probably not. <laughs> But you've got a snowball, and you can plunder it away for a sigil. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah, well, that's cute, I guess. Yeah. Uh, you threw away your combat trick, and you got to <laughs> turn your snowball into a... Really spinning your wheels. It's great. Yeah. All right. Then uh, there's Overlook Spotter, which is the two-cost 1-3. That if your opponent has 10 cards in their uh, void, it gets plus three, plus three. Um, I was thinking this might be okay in like a grindy... We're talking about the value Felm decks um, last episode. So, I mean, these this form or in a lesion, like there are decks in this format that want to stay alive for a long time. And this might be a good way to... Stay alive early, but then also have a slight beater later on. Yeah, it's okay, and it does have pledge, which is the bad version of plunder. Uh, but I would feel a lot better about it if there were any kind of discard theme in this format at all. But there isn't, so. Yeah, no, that's true. It seems right. like a bit of a throwaway common to me, but it blocks okay. Yeah. Um, and then there is Snowfort Trumpeteer, which is the two cost two two. And it has tribute, gain plus two plus two. Yeah, this is obviously great if it can be a four four. In which case, you want to be playing as many one drops as possible so that they can trade and allow you to play a four four for two. Which means you're playing mischief yeti. Uh, <laughs> but um, also, I guess it kind of goes with the sacrifice thing because if you can sacrifice something, then trumpeter. Does uh does come in with the bonus uh, mm-hmm. if you've got enough power to do those things, like I can kind of see this in a Skycrag deck if you have something like a um what's it called uh, a battle driver you know uh, so yeah well actually no battle driver doesn't work because it gets sacrifices at the end of the turn so you wouldn't get That's the bonus what what oh 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 this comes back to kindling carver you can kindling carve something, uh, and then play the Trumpeter as a 4-4, and then hopefully you've got enough power left to play whatever you drew off of the Kindling Carver. There, I've cracked it. <laughs> yeah, or maybe you drew the Trumpeter. Or maybe you drew the Trumpeter, and everything is coming up Millhouse. Yeah. 
Yeah. Anyways, also the weird thing is that is all of um, Primal's commons except for Cobalt Waystone. Um, yeah. For all the Aegis synergy in Argent Ups. And it's kind of weird because Primal has the fewest boosted commons. So that also means that the boosted ones you're going to see even more of because there's yeah, so, so it's just going to be a format of pure changey stick from now on <laughs> um all right and then we have shadow which uh we've kind of hinted at before not great so i think we'll be able to go through this pretty quickly um, yeah it's a lot so i just want to establish real fast before these changes shadow was one of the least played factions right yes in our seven wind decks plus yeah right it was not the strongest faction because the way direwolf treated it during this transition suggests that it was not only the strongest faction but the only faction anyone was playing <laughs> and they had to tame it somehow yes all right so let's with that in mind uh, our first one is Contaminating Ritual, which is the one-cost fast spell, and it gives a unit plus one attack, flying, and lifesteal, and then you sacrifice it at the end of turn. Yeah. If there were more ways of bringing units back from the void, I would feel better about Contaminating Ritual, but there aren't. I know. That's the cr crazy thing to me, is the only way to do it is with the five-cost you know, there's only the one five-cost spell in this format. Yeah, and you really yeah, want to play cost. that spell in Felm, so it already gets flying. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's, it's, a, it's an awkward card. Yeah. It's not... That doesn't it, really I mean, people support. will play it, and they will beat me with it, and it will be annoying, but I still don't think it's a good card yeah. in this format especially. All right. Sure. Next... Back in the last format where there was like triumphant return and dark return was boosted and all that kind of thing. Then it's like contaminating ritual was terrifying. But in this format, no. Yeah. No, I agree. It's it's weird. I feel like it almost misleads you. You you like see this card and you assume there has to be some way to bring a unit back. Um no. uh, all right, next is Direwood Rampanger, uh classic. It's classic. It's a six cost. 6-4 unit. That's it. That's what it does. And this obviously goes okay in decks that want to have uh, high strength on units. 5 plus strength. Um, but it is also a big, expensive, clunky thing. It's okay, though. You know? Like, it is It is a lot of body. Just not as much as you, you want uh, if you're going to be paying 6 power for a card. Yes. Alright, next so is... It's, it's the top end you play when you don't have enough top end. Exactly. Next is Fallen Oni, which is the one cost, one two, and your opponent discards the top unit of their deck. Yeah, this is a card that I feel like I lose to embarrassingly more than basically any other bad card because it's subtle, you know, like it's only a one two for one. And so you, it, the, the body is never relevant, but sometimes because you discarded the top unit of your deck, you don't get a blocker for the doubtless, like, blindly aggressive deck that you're playing against in time, and then they just sort of overrun you, because they played a one-drop, a two-drop, a three-drop, and you're like, oh, well, I was hoping to draw maybe another unit or something, but instead I'm just drawing sigils because the top unit of my deck got discarded. 
it's way too unpredictable of an effect for you to actually put this in your deck if you're a good drafter. But it's <laughs> I've lost to it. I've lost to that exact thing happening. So it's I've got to acknowledge that there's some value to the card. Yeah. Yeah. I, I realized that what I just said probably was blatantly contradictory, but I got to give the the card some. I got. I have to give the card its due. Since yeah. It does seem to have the power to randomly beat me sometimes. <laughs> yeah. So I. Yeah. I don't know how to feel about this. I mean, there are shadow in Argent Depths does need a lot of units to sacrifice. This is a cheap unit that kind of has a summon effect, so you're getting some value on both ends uh but yeah, yeah. it's still yeah. hard for me to imagine putting this in my deck but maybe we'll get there uh next is gorgon cutthroat uh this is the three cost two two uh with ambush and it deals two damage to you when you block with it yeah when you use this card for its intended purpose it hurts you yeah uh, this is um, this was boosted previously, um, but now that the other Xenon uh, ambush cards are not as boosted, I think you're gonna. If you are in that deck, you're probably going to be playing more of these. But one of the things we had talked about when we talked about Xenon ambush is that because you're playing ambush units, you're often sort of behind the curve, and you're you need these like ambush synergies to catch you up. But a way to get even further behind the curve is to play an ambush unit and then take damage yeah. for playing. It's to play a t it's to play a two two for three, hurt yourself for using it. Yeah, yeah. it's um you, you do have to be aware that this card exists when you're playing against a Xenon deck, because like if you you can get sort of got by it if you forget that it is it, it's possible for it to to get you. But, yeah, um, you already are playing around it because of the 2-3. That's true. So it's actually, what I said is not true. You have to be aware that it exists if you're playing against a shadow deck uh, that is leaving up power mysteriously. <laughs> that doesn't have time in it. So you don't know that you're against uh, a deck with any ambush cards. That's what you have to be aware of, because occasionally that'll get you. Uh, that's, what I, that's what I meant. Yeah. I had an opponent recently um, ambush this on me and then block my 1-5 with it and then take two damage and then die. <laughs> Instead of taking the one damage that the unblocked unit would have done? Yeah, that's a fun play. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's hard to believe if that's the first time you're playing the card that it could possibly say this deals damage to you when you block with it, because it clearly has to block, <laughs> because that's what it does. It has Ambush. It's the dumbest card in the game. Yeah. All right, next is Harbinger's Bite, which is the one shadow spell with Lifesteal and Nightfall and deal two damage to the enemy player. I don't get it. Terrible. Next card. Yes. All right, <laughs> Improvised Club which is the 8-power 6-6 six, six relic weapon. Um, yeah, you mentioned that there are some relic weapon synergies in this set. You know, in the previous, in set 8, 
where they put this in in one of the final iterations of set eight, it was just so outclassed by all the other awesome relic weapons that you never really played it. But now there aren't really a ton of other big relic weapons. So maybe there's a chance you would play an improvised club. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, if you've got nothing else going on at your, at the top end, then this is fine. Also, it's a good card to put in markets because you don't want to always draw it. But late in the game, when you've got market access with like a, um, with a with an etchings <laughs> yeah sorry i'm getting tired if you've got market access with like a shadow etchings or something then uh it's this is a great card to pull out of that um six six yeah. relic weapon right at the time when you want it all right then uh, lunging wisp which is the one power one two with ambush that does not damage you so this goes great Wait, does it cost one it costs two right no, it costs one. They no, it costs one. It used to Does cost it? Oh. two. Now it costs one. Oh, great. Okay, good. That's a great update. It's still bad. Yes. Yeah, it is. But I mean, there is that deck. I mean, the problem is there's not a lot of things with one health. You yeah. Know, what are you realistically blocking with this? I guess you could be blocking the four one and fire with it. Um, that's about it. Yeah. I'm trying to draw two cards with it every time. Oh sure, yeah, yeah. Off your off your blur haze worms. Okay, are you re- ready? Um, I've been thinking a lot about this card today. That is pilfer, which is the one cost um, spell that you draw the top card of your opponent's deck. Yeah, you've been thinking about a lot about it, huh? Yeah. I guess the I, I already talked myself out of it um, since it's not a fast spell, but I was like, ah, if you squint, this is like kind of similar to uh, um, to levitate. Sure, it replaces yes. itself. It's a cheap. Um, the only <laughs> so I was imagining. A Terrazon Echo deck. Uh-huh. It's a, it's a cheap spell. You're boosting your Terrazon Echo. You're sure. not you're not going card disadvantage because you're drawing you're drawing cards. Your opponent probably has better cards in their deck because you're playing cards like Pilfer. I mean it seems like a win win win, right? Win? Did I, I well, didn't put enough I mean, wins I, there. Yeah, no, that's not the whatever the number of wins you included is the wrong number because well, so yeah, I mean pilfers. I think pilfer gets better the worse your deck is because then you're likely you're using up one of your card slots uh, to bet that your opponent is playing a better deck than you yeah. and that you will draw a better card than you currently are able to put in your deck. Um, so aside from spell synergy with with Terrazon Echo. Uh, and I would love to see that deck work. <laughs> it's not usually good. I mean, Pilfer obviously can 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 spike something great once in a while. It's a very very random card. The advantage of Levitate is that presumably you've built a deck where your cards work fairly well together. Pilfer is the opposite of that because it draws a card that almost certainly does not work well with anything that you're doing. 
and it has a particular problem in this format because there's an there's a chance that you'll draw a card that relies on having a particular kind of influence that you aren't playing because your opponent wisely is not playing shadow. <laughs> yeah. No, that because if you pull a, like an audacious ruse off of this and you're playing Feln, then you, that's a blank blank card. So. Uh, it's not that there's a ton of cards that rely on influence, but there are a handful of them, so it's a worse card than usual. But of course, no, it replaces itself with something, so it's rarely an absolutely blank card. Um, yes. And there are a handful of cards that activate off spells, although um, Gale Prowler isn't boosted anymore, so it's not going to be that card. Yeah, I mean, that was another thought I had with the old Prowler, but I guess if that's not boosted, which is kind of sad because it really felt like oh, in it's the previous five format. Times. What? It's five times. It's five times instead of ten times now. Okay. Yeah. So, you know, that seemed like it was a very important card to a lot of Primal decks. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah. Okay. So my Pilfer Terrazon Echo Gale Prowler deck. Um, we'll Coming next week. Coming soon. Yeah. Yeah, you should do it. All right. Next is Scheme, which is a three-cost spell. And it you draw three cards, four cards, four cards. You, you draw one of the top four cards of your deck, and then you put the rest on the bottom. Uh, and I, I'm, I'm still very much against playing Scheme in a draft deck, because you're going to draw into your next four cards anyway and it's rare when you want to draw one of those but not the others there's gonna be a lot of situations where you see two or three cards that you do kind of want to draw and now you can only draw one of them yeah (laughs) so it usually doesn't help that much but there's times when it's like oh i better draw something quick that i need but then you're spending three power for it so it's you won't be able to play it the same turn anyway it's uh it's not my favorite card yeah, I, I'm, this is my other hashtag, which is uh, hashtag make scheme fast. Sure. Yeah, then it would be a lot better, actually. All right. And then finally, there is Toctic, which is a unit. It is a one cost, one one with revenge. We talked a bunch about this already. Probably only want this if you have a lot of sacrifice synergy, uh, which yeah. Shadow does in Argent Depths. It does. There, there, there are certainly reasons to sacrifice a thing. Uh, Toctic is sort of the worst thing to sacrifice, though, because <laughs> it has so little board impact by itself. It's like, yeah, it's going to come back. Oh, boy. <laughs> it's going to come back. This one one. Here it comes. Uh, yeah. And unlike Silverwing which you can give Deadly and Killer to with a Precision Plunge, I don't think there's any way you can do anything like that to a TikTok. Yeah. You can give it Killer and Decay with an Allosaurus, perhaps. And then... uh, Sorry. I'm sorry. No, and I just want to quickly mention uh, in the quick hits portion of our Shadow rundown that they also basically took away all of the removal that Shadow had. Defile... Uh, suffocate, death, what a death, death thing, death strike, death, death strike. strike. All of those have been, uh, if not turned down to one times, uh, at least unweighted so that you don't, you're not going to see them at, uh, very often anymore. So basically, Shadow's entire identity from the last format before these changes 
uh, has and 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 any reason to play it has been taken away, which is a really odd thing to do because once again, wasn't the most powerful faction. Um, yeah, yeah defiles at one time. Blech, what yeah. rid- ridiculous. Um, that doesn't mean that Shadow is undraftable because you can draft Shadow in Argent Depths and it's still fine. And then you can draft some other faction in packs two and three. But those were the commons. We just talked about all the commons and every single one of them is terrible. And there's hardly any good uncommons left either. There's a few, Devouring Shadow and a couple of others, but hardly any. So it's kind of bizarre. Yeah. Yeah. And then uh, speaking of further bizarre things, I, I just wanted to talk about the four dual faction cards that are 10 times boosted. So there's only four. So not every dual faction has a boosted common. Uh, and here they are. Uh, in Huru, there is Shield Bash, which is the four cost card that stuns a enemy unit. You gain some armor and draw a card. So that fits the theme. It's expensive, but it fits Huru's theme. Yeah, right. yeah, pretty great card, really. Yeah, there is a Sanguine Sword, um, which is the four cost Argent Port card. That's a two two relic weapon, and if you sacrifice a unit, it gets plus two plus two. Yeah, this is like one of the worst of the of the sacrifice payoffs if you're playing Argent Port, but like you would play it if yeah. you didn't have better cards. Basically. Yeah, and Again. I mean, a 4-4 weapon is nothing to sneeze at, so... Oh, yeah, no, it's fine. It's fine, as long as you have good sacrifice fodder. But again, they kind of they kind of scaled back the sacrifice fodder, so it's a worse card now than it was. Okay, and then there is Amarn Camel, which is the uh, two-cost 3 Elysian Camel that uh, you gain a life every time you draw a card, which supports the Elysian life gain theme. Yeah, that, that that doesn't really exist. Uh, yeah, and then there also it's it costs three, right? It's a three oh, cost maybe it zero. costs three. I'm sure it's it actually should worse cost than two, the, but yeah, the, the horrible <laughs> joke card that I made it out to be. Um, I hope they I hope they give it plunder someday. It would be a great card with plunder. Let's uh, yeah, let me. I'm look sorry, up. it wouldn't oh. be a great card. It would be an okay card with plunder. <laughs> Yeah, you're right. It, it it does cost three. Yeah, I couldn't yeah, even it's imagine. A, it's a zero three for three. That's yeah. what it is. Um, so I guess you put these with your cartographers so you can stay stay alive while you're growing your cartographers. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know what you do with it. If you have a slow deck, you put it in so that you're gaining life while and occasionally blocking a little bit. Do you put it in though? I have. I mean, I've had it in a seven-win deck once because I had an incredible top end, and I and I just all I wanted to do was survive until then. And so know, but... the ammo gained a bunch of life from blocking two twos and gaining <laughs> incidental life. That's what happened. Yeah, I just feel like there's better way, especially in primal. Just put the four cost your four cost two ten or whatever you. Oh yeah, but that costs. Uh, one more than this camel does. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but it also kills your opponent's tutus. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but it's not nearly as demoralizing as playing a zero three for three and then slowly winning. <laughs> yeah, and then um, I'm going to read this card because it's 
All right. And then the final boosted common is Xenon Augury, which is the four cost um, Xenon card. It's a spell. Draw one of the top three cards of your deck, put the rest on the bottom, you gain three life. So this fits with Xenon's theme of drawing cards and gaining life. So that's. <laughs> there you go. That's another uh, way to Yeah, again, no payoff for it. Uh, Xenon doesn't particularly want to do this. And everything I had to say about Scheme is still true for Xenon Augury. It's a less powerful draw spell that gains you some life. If there was any reason to gain life in the format, then great. But Premonition Wisp is it, the the, the three power two two that makes a four four. So if you have one of those, then life gain effects do go up in value. But uh, no, it's, it's uh, just a, it's just sort of another throwaway common. It's not that you don't ever play it if you're playing Xenon. Because gaining life is something that you kind of want to do if you're playing a very slow deck. But this is also a very slow card that puts you behind on tempo. So uh, it, it, you, you're not like hoping to to find them if you already know that you're in Xenon. It's something that you play if you don't get enough playables. I've said that about a lot of the commons in the draft packs. And unfortunately, that's where we're at with them because the changes that Direwolf made... Um, really revert us back to a state that we were in a few sets ago where practically all of the commons were terrible in several factions um, for all of the curated draft packs and now you just sort of have to put your deck together from packs one and four and then randomly get amazing rares in packs two and three uh, but otherwise just put a whole bunch of filler into your deck unless you want combat tricks and you're injustice because then you are hooked up. <laughs> exactly. All right. Well, that was that was a marathon of an episode, but we made it through. We did. Um, I'm actually impressed how quickly we went through 60-ish cards. Um, mm-hmm. But we are going to end our show there. It is happening. Um, so thank you again to all our patrons for making this show a success. And for those of you who are not patrons, a reminder to give us a five-star rating and review on iTunes, Stitcher, or Google Play. Friend me in game. Join us in our Discord. Link in the show notes. Finally, thumbs up all of Raven Dragon's Reddit posts and friend me in game. And don't forget to send all seven win deck lists you do this week to farminginternal at gmail.com. And remember... Friend tomorrow in the game. Yeah. Friend him. And to remember to keep on friending me. Have a good night. <laughs> Good night. Hold back the darkness.